Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Amen. Thank you, Gerson. Thank you, Rizzo. Let's give them another hand. Praise God for encouraging us uh, in what we're doing and what we want to continue to see. And even as the video um, was, was able to share with us, I was, I was reading something and I wanted to share this with you today, knowing that um, we came off five weeks of sharing this uh, on this theme, You're in Season. And if you remember, I think last week I made us all say, like, okay, what was week number one? What was week number two? And we went down the five weeks, and we spoke about you're in season, and we talked about seize the day, and you heard the video was basically telling us to seize the day. We talked about potential in a seed, and then we talked about the soil, how's your soil, and then we talked about the great gardener and the harvest and what that looks like last week. And we've been blessed for five weeks speaking about you're in season. As the video said, it's, it's, it's now your time, church. You're in season. It's now your time. Um, and I think that this is uh, just a reminder to what we're called to. If you look at the Great Commission, if you look at Jesus, uh, his teachings to the disciples, um, he's calling us to go. He's calling us to move. He's calling us to take action. The beautiful thing about a church is I'm grateful for the church because at a very young age, the church was used in my life. God used the church to really strengthen talent, skills, very important, the giftings that I had. If it wasn't for my leadership, the leadership of my, in my life, and for my church, I wouldn't be here today. It was because people in the church, my leaders, my pastors, saw potential, saw a gifting, and the church was able to move in that. And then down the road, I wonder if one of these people who's here today would understand this, that now I have the ability to speak to a bunch of uh, um, middle school and high schoolers, and I, and, and, I, and I could mentor them, and I pastor them on a weekly basis, and I pastor a church, and, and we do outreaches, and in this church we've done missions, and in this church we've done, and it's all because of these very important moments that happen in the church in the beginning, and even in those beginning years. I thought about this as I read this, and I said, I need to share this um, with our nest. And it's seven questions when it comes to serving. I want you to think about this. Maybe at some time in the future I'll get into this and I'll, and I'll, and I'll preach on this. I'll teach on it. But I just want to read them to you. As I read them, I thought they would be such an encouragement and just for you to really take to consideration. Here are seven questions to ask yourself. Number one, what is my level of spiritual consecration? What is my level of that? Like where am I at? consecrated, set apart, and I want you to think about that, you know, are, are you ready, is something inside of you telling you like, hey, go and serve the Lord, serve the Lord, I'm going to come back to number one when I close up, and there's a reason, and you'll see why, but are you willing, church, to, to sacrifice your comfort, your convenience, right, for someone else's benefit, you heard Rizzo saying, hey, the way you love God and love people is by serving them. Serve God and serve people. Are we willing to do that? Number two, you could write these things down, but here's another one. How is my attitude? Do I have a servant's attitude? That is so important to serving. It's hard to come into the, with the people of God to the house of God and serve, and you have a negative, a bad attitude. No one wants to talk to you. People want to run away from you like, oh, no, they just got here. Let's hide from them. That's not a good place to start. You might want to start asking the Lord, Lord, change my attitude. Seriously. Number two, <clears throat> how is your attitude? Um, many will say they want to be like Jesus, but have they considered what that entails um, I want us to, to say, do we have a kingdom attitude? Number three, what is my level of availability? In this article, it said practical availability. You could have all the ability in the world, but it will mean nothing if we do not have availability. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, I'm able, I'm able, I'm able. Oh, awesome. Are you available? No, no, I just can do it, but I won't do it. That would never work for the kingdom of God. That would never work. So 
<clears throat> what, what ability do you have to bless the kingdom of heaven? What ability do you have to do a work here at our nest? My next question would be, if you say, oh, I have this, I have this, I have this, then would be, well, are you available for that? I think that was number three. <clears throat> Forgive me here for my coughing and my... Number four, am I willing to work? So I'm available now. Am I, am I, am I, am I willing to put this into action? Work is not an unspiritual word. Um, think about this. When the Holy Spirit spoke in Antioch, in Acts chapter 13, he said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. And then you know what, you know what, you know what was said right after that? Listen to this. For the work to which I have called them. Every single one of you have been called to a work because God, salvation, has entered your life. How many of you can say amen? Number four, am I, am I willing to work? Number five, what am I good at? Like, I want to be part of the worship team, guys. I really do. I, I, I Believe it or not, I would rather be a worship leader than be up here preaching every single Sunday. Everything in me would rather do that. But I'm not good at it. You see what I'm saying? What are you good at? What triggers you? What makes you alive? God has given each one of us certain skills, gifts, and I want you to think about that. Like, man, what am I good at? How can I bless this house? How can I bless the kingdom? Thank you. Thank you. I have like five down there that senior has given me. All right. Number six, what are the needs and the opportunities around me? That's a very important one. I have one more and we're done. You look around and you can say, well, you know what? I wish this church or I wish these people or I wish. Then maybe God is tugging at your heart. Maybe there's a void and there's something that you could fill in because there's an opportunity, there's a need, and you, you caught it. And you might be the one that we need. So some people struggle that they don't feel like they have a specific leading or a direct word from God regarding what they're supposed to do. But man, what about if it's just to fill that need and just to take that step of faith? Number seven, the last one I want to share with you is, well, am I willing to take, go forward? Am I willing to take initiative? I want you to think about this because the message is going to come up. And as the message is preached to you, I want you to think about some of these questions that we just asked. Will I take initiative? Um, in this article, it spoke about a quote that Arthur Ashe once said, and I want you to listen to these words. It said, start where you are, use what you have, <clears throat> and do what you can. Can you take initiative? Uh, I gave you seven questions. Are you willing to take initiative? Can you look at the needs, the opportunities around you? What are you good at? Are you willing to work? Are you available? How's your attitude? And how are you, are you ready to be set apart for God's work? Are you consecrated and set apart? And I wanted to read those seven things because when I was 20 years old, the man that's coming up here to preach right now was about 23, 24 years old. And I know he remembers this day. And he says, hey, let's go have lunch. And I said, all right, I think it was a TGIF. And maybe you've never heard this story. If you've been with us for a long time, you've probably heard this story. And I'll never forget, Pastor Leo went, and he showed up with a, at that time, he used to carry around a, a little uh, a briefcase. He was 23, 24, but he looked like he was 40-something, 50, man, walking around with that briefcase. And he showed up to TGIF, and we sat in a table, and he opened up his briefcase, and he had papers and he had all these things written out, like a vision. Like Habakkuk tells us to write the vision down. And he puts it on the table and he says, this is my vision. This is what we're going to do. And he says, we're going to plant a church. I was 20 years old. And he says, this is how we're going to do it. I think at that time we had about 12 people, if, if I'm counting right. And he says, we're going to grab the 12 people we have. And this is how we're going to plant a church. And he starts to show me all these things that he had drawn out. And he says, and you're going to be our youth pastor. I was 20 years old and hadn't stepped foot in seminary. Never went to a Bible school. Someone just saw me and said, I want you to lead the young people. And me just sitting there said, yeah, let's go, let's do it. 20 years old. We prayed, I think. I don't, I don't remember much of the details. I just remember that because... It impacted me. We left, and we started with this vision. And from there, we started our first church called New Life. And it 
started small. It started 12 people in a living room. And from 12 people in a living room, we went to our first warehouse, and we packed up that warehouse instantly, and it became a big problem. And then we had to go to our second warehouse, and we started to fill up that um, warehouse. And the youth group started to grow, and God started to give the youth group favor in the events that we used to do and on the radio stations and just what a blessing that was. At 20 years old, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, Rizzo went to some of our events that we put on and stuff like that. And, and I mean, it's just crazy how God used a bunch of young people that were making themselves available and said, yes, Lord, use us. Years down the line, now we're in our 40s. And here we are, and, and God's used us, and God's not done with us. And I will say this, I, I can't think of a greater person to share today's message <clears throat> than Pastor Leo. Many have been the days when I have not believed in myself. Many have been the days when I felt I did not have a gift. Many have been the days when I said, let's close up and call it quits. Many have been those days. <clears throat> but one thing I'll never forget, and one thing I probably will never forget in the future, is from the beginning to even present, some 22 years later, still doing ministry, I would say I know that if there's no one that believes in me, it's been a foundation, it's been a pillar in my life that this one man has believed in me. If I was my pastor and I had a youth pastor like me, I don't know if he would have lasted long in my church. The things that we did, the stuff that we got involved in, <clears throat> but his patience because he saw that there was a gift in that young man. And he never gave up on me. And he continued to water it. And today I'm so honored and so blessed. And I tell you the same thing. Because imagine what God can do with you. Imagine that. So I am so blessed to say <clears throat> that at 20 years old, God changed my life. And I never stopped answering his call in my life. Though there's been many days that I've wanted to run from it. But I've never stopped answering his call. It's called a serve. Serve. I don't understand how people could come to church and not pick up a garbage when it's on the floor. Because that was taught to me by this man. I don't know what it's like not to be the first one here and the last one to leave. Because that was taught to me by this man. I don't know what it's like to be sick. <coughs> Literally sick. Vomiting all night. And not go to church the next day. Because that was taught to me by this man. That's why I'll have surgery and I'll be here the next Saturday. Because this is what I'm called to do. And he taught me that. To be resilient. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't come up with excuses. And I could have. But he taught me. You show up. You got to keep showing up. I called them one time. I got two in the morning. I've been vomiting all day. We had an event, thousands up here. We had an amazing youth event called Sunfest. And that Sunday says, you mean to tell me after that event, people are going to come to church on Sunday and you're not going to be here? And I hung up the phone. I said, I'll see you soon. <laughs> and thank God I went. We had new families that Sunday. That hardness, and I'm not even hard like that with my leaders. I wish I could be. But that hardness is what made me and what makes me who I am today. That's why I can't give up. I am humbled. And I'm going to drink water now. And I am honored to, to welcome Pastor Leo, my pastor, to come up here and bless you with the word. Amen. Man, what an introduction, man. I don't even want to preach. You guys think so highly of me after that. I just want to say amen. It's a great day. Hallelujah. Let's go home. But um, God has definitely given me a word for you this morning. I'm excited to be at my church. How many people know that this is my church? This is my church. Amen. I really do believe that this is my church. I, uh, uh, spiritually, physically, I, I just um, I love this church. I love the pastor, the leaders, and and every single one that I'm able to encounter and, and build a relationship with here, um, I'm just excited to be here this morning. Amen. 
this is an awesome event that you guys are hosting here in regards to connecting the church to the vision of their service. Because not every church serves in the same capacity. Every church has different ministries. They do the things differently. And it's just awesome that you guys choose a Sunday to introduce these ministries and give you, the church, an opportunity to serve. Um, a lot of individuals that go to church don't have this opportunity to serve. They have to jump through hoops and do a bunch of stuff. But here at The Nest, they, they give you the opportunity to serve. And I want to thank the leadership for that. Can we give them a round of applause for doing that? Amen. I want to thank our translator today who's going to be translating for us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope she fed her son or daughter already. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's good. And the gentleman in the back, Rudy, and uh, thank you so much. I appreciate what you guys uh, are going to do today. Amen. Thank you. For those individuals that are um, writing down notes, today's sermon will be titled, You Reap What You Sow. You Reap What You Sow. And um, before we start, I'd like to open up in a word of prayer if you allow me to. Can we do that this morning? Amen. Father, we thank you for the time of worship, Lord God, for the testimonies that gave you glory, Lord God, and, and for the fact that you are a faithful God behind everything that is done for you. Lord, there's not one thing that, that we try to do, Lord God, in your name that, that you don't back up. You back everything up, Lord God. You go before us, and we thank you for that. Lord, I just pray that these words uh, this morning can edify us and lift us up and build in us something eternal. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And together we all say, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to start off with um, a couple verses as a foundation of the sermon, and then we'll use some reference verses. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. I'm going to read straight through these verses. And then I'm going to go verse by verse and talk about each verse. And I hope that it could be applicable to our lives and we can be definitely blessed by it. Amen. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Verse 9. And this is important for you all this morning. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Listen to this. If we do not give up. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I like to start off with verse 7 because the first statement is an interesting one. Because here, the one who is writing is talking about deceived and when you hear that word deceived, you think about individuals who deceive you. But here, Paul was talking about that the, the believer should not be deceived by himself. Like, not allow yourself to deceive yourself. And usually we think about deception that other people bring it into our lives. But there are many times that we are the, vic we are the ones who deceive ourselves. Now, how do we deceive ourselves? How many individuals like lying to themselves? We lie to ourselves sometimes. Like, there are so many times that, that I lie to myself and I, I make myself believe certain things that aren't true. This is called self-deception. And we self-deceive ourselves in many areas of our lives. Look, I was talking to, um, to one of your church members this morning and I was talking about health and, and, and whatnot. And, and, and the topic came up and I talked about pickleball. How many people know what pickleball is? Well, I have a young group in my church, as Pastor Eagle mentioned here, we're in our 40s now, and this pickleball game, it seems um, it was made for the elderly, but that thing wasn't made for the elderly, man, I'm telling you right now. So, so I was approaching, they were like, Pastor, why don't you play with us? I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go and play with you guys. And I went out the first day, and I played, and it was, it was awesome, man, it was great, and I'm like, I can do this. Listen, the second time I went to go play, I pulled my hamstring. Sometimes we deceive ourselves into wearing things that we're not supposed to be wearing. We deceive ourselves in many ways of life that, that we convince ourselves into truth when it isn't truth. We convince ourselves into something being right when it isn't right. It's self-deception, and it's a psychological tactic that we use for ourselves. Now, there are three things, for those people writing down notes, three things that happen when we deceive ourselves. We fool ourselves into believing our own lies. 
Man, I've been there before. I've, I've believed my own lies at times. We refuse to acknowledge the truth. We won't acknowledge the truth. And lastly, we make wrong and horrible decisions when we are deceived. And Paul is telling the church, don't be deceived. The definition for deceived is to be misled or led astray. And Paul warns the church, don't be misled. Don't be led astray. Now, in verse 7, it says a man reaps what he sows. The idea of reaping and sowing is a basic principle. There's no escape. Believer or non-believer, you can't get away from it. You reap what you sow. Farmers know this best. Because if they, if they sow corn, what are they going to reap? Corn. If they sow wheat, what are they going to reap? It is what it is. With that same understanding, I want you to think about this. If we drink a bottle of alcohol every day, we're going to become alcoholics. If you drive 100 miles per hour, you're bound to get in an accident. If you hate people, you can't expect to love God. If you ignore your spouse, you can't expect them to be intimate with you. If you live life without having a set time apart for God, you can't expect spiritual maturity. There's certain things that you have to understand that if you sow it, you reap it. Positively and negatively. If you sow to the flesh, it's like you're investing in your flesh rather than crucifying your flesh. And we have to understand that. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 24, it says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I want to be honest with you, our bodies naturally crave the pleasures that often give into temptations. And that, that produces works of the flesh. And I know that this term, crucify the flesh, you might be like, well, I'd like to do that, but how do I do that? Well, here is how you crucify the flesh. It is repenting of your sins. And how do you do that? You turn back from your old ways. You say no to selfish and sinful passions. And this is on a daily basis where we put to death our sinful nature. And when we begin to walk in victory over the flesh. Now I want to be clear this morning. It doesn't mean that every time you go through a, na a, a, a negative circumstance. Does it mean that you're reaping something negative you've done? Because like Job, our brother, he suffered consequences that were negative. But they were consequences that were allowed by God but brought forth by the enemy. So we have to understand that not all things that we are reaping is because of us. There are other things that bring things into our lives. But at at the, at the foundation of it all, God allows it all. And I can thank him for that because if he's in charge, then I know it's all for his good. Give him a clap offering this morning, amen. Verse 8 says this. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Every thought... Every action, every word sows either into the flesh or into the spirit. And I believe that we have to be individuals that sow into the kingdom of heaven. God has called us for that. You cannot sow into the flesh and expect to avoid fleshly consequences. It's not going to happen. As believers, we can sow seeds into one of two fields, the flesh or the spirit. And the fruit that we produce depends on the field we chose to sow into. When we sow to the Spirit, we stop letting our sinful nature control our minds. Man, and, and this morning, if there's something that, that you must hear this morning, is that a mind controlled by the flesh leads to death. And a mind controlled by the Spirit leads to life and peace. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says... The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. A spirit-controlled life involves setting our minds on the things above, 
And we see that in Colossians where the Bible says to put your heart, to put your mind on the things from above. But what do things of above look like so that we could learn how to feed the Spirit and place our minds on the things of the Spirit? Here are a couple things that I wrote down. The Word of God. That's where you could put your mind on, the Word of God. Fellowship with other believers. Praise, worship, congregation, prayer, and what you guys are doing today, service. All these things set your heart on things above. And verse 9 is where I'm going to preach the majority of this time as we are talking about serving. Because what I've learned throughout my years in ministry is that many people start serving But not many people finish serving. And we place our service on circumstances that we experience here on earth when service has nothing to do with the people you're dealing with. Service has everything to do with the one you're doing it for. The minute that focus changes, then it becomes a burden. Then we're burned out, and everything else happens. Verse 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I believe that we need this encouragement for the church to not grow weary in doing good, because as individuals, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is... There's no doubt in my mind that if you love the Lord and you're called by God, that when you hear that there's an opportunity to serve, there's no doubt in my mind that your spirit is like, yes, go do it, man. This is what God has for you. And you think about it and you're like, yes, I can do this. But the moment you start really thinking about it, the flesh kicks in and it starts thinking about things like, do I really have the time? How's this going to work out with my marriage? Am I going to be? And all these things of the flesh start coming up. But in reality, it's your spirit that is desiring to connect with God with people as he's gifted you to do so. Growing weary is a present danger within the Christian church. Growing weary is definitely something that within the church, it is an issue. We grow weary in doing good. So how can we minimize growing weary? Because if, if I read scripture and I'm listening to God's word and I'm, I'm listening about the spirit and the flesh and I want to sow into the spirit and I want to reap the things of the spirit. I, I want to learn how to do these things. I want to learn how to put my actions for God's favor rather than his destruction. And when I hear about reaping and sowing, I want to think about the good things too. Because every time we talk about reaping and sowing, we think about the negative aspect of we're going to be, you know, we're going to be condemned. We're going to be destroyed. But what about the good things that come out of reaping and sowing that when you are faithful and you do pray and you do seek God and you do fall to your knees that your spouse will come to the Lord and your children will serve God and the disease will be healed because there is a harvest. So how do we minimize this? I don't know how long I've been... Uh, Pastoring now, uh, every time I think about it, it just reveals our age, Pastor Rigo. And the truth is, is that it's, it's been roughly about 23 to 24 years now that I've been serving Miami as a pastor. And um, if there's one thing um, I could tell you that has led me to be in the position that I am at today is this. Number one, I know where I'm getting my strength from. And see, as I walked into your church, our church, this morning, I saw Pastor Rigo putting a garbage bag in the garbage can. And I said, that's where it's at, man. I said, that's where it's at. I told him those words. I said, that's where we started. That's where it's at. But in serving, if it's putting in a garbage bag or translating for me this morning or greeting people in the entrance... Or serving your children this morning in these back rooms. 
All of them need the strength of the Lord. We all need the strength of the Lord, despite whatever it is that you do. Because when you're doing it, you're doing it for God. And if you're doing it for God, you need God's strength. Problems will arise when you do God's work in your own strength. So what must we do? We must rely upon the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. There is not one thing that we do that we exclude the Holy Spirit. Because the moment we exclude the Holy Spirit, it becomes a you action. And nobody needs a you action. We need an action that comes directly from the throne of God. And that only happens when you are directed by his spirit to do it. Now, if you look at scripture, the apostles did. In the, in the book of Acts, before there was a mighty work of God that was performed, there was one statement in scripture in the book of Acts. And it was, it was written quite often in the book of Acts. And it was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray to God that whatever it is that you do, you could say, I do that because I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't ever get confused. God does not need your ability or your talents. All he wants is that he shine through you. And the only way that he can shine through you is if it's the Holy Spirit doing it through you. Christianity spread like wildfire in the New Testament. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. The same men that deserted Jesus out of fear in the New Testament were speaking to multitudes and saving thousands. Why? Because it, it was in their own strength? Absolutely not. They would probably still be hiding in their rooms. But because they were endowed with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, they were able to do what God had called them to do. So know where your strength comes from. And that comes to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 1, we don't have to turn there. You will see that they waited for the Holy Spirit and they accomplished what they could never have done on their own. We cannot do things on our own because if not, we will grow weary. We can't. Service comes for God and by God. We are just stewards. We are just vessels. But there is nothing that we do that should come out of our own strength because we're going to grow weary no matter what it is. Verse 9 says this, do not give up. I want to tell somebody today to their spirit, today this morning, I want to just speak that into your spirit, don't give up. Today we're talking about people getting involved in service. What about the people who have been serving? How many times do you feel like throwing in the towel and quitting and saying, I'm not going this Sunday. I want to stay and watch the Dolphins game at, at 1 o'clock versus the Buffalo Bills. And Thank the Lord we can record shows nowadays. Hallelujah. But what about the people who are serving? I want to tell you guys, don't give up. Because there are many times that the enemy comes and whispers in our ears and says, well, we could just sit out for a season, let somebody else do it. But that's just what the enemy wants because when we're not doing what God has called us to do and we're not serving in the gifted areas that we're, we're gifted to do, then we're not one with God in, in things that we have to do for him. And that's super important for our growth. It's super important for the growth within our church. The opposite of giving up is to persevere. Oh, man, oh, man. You hear that word persevere, what comes to your mind? Keep going. It's true, Pastor Rigo was a little rough, and I have lightened up throughout the years. <laughs> Let me give you the definition of what persevere means so you can really get the understanding of this. It says to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty. This is my favorite part. Listen to this. With little or no success. See, many times we base our perseverance on what we can see. Well, I'll persevere if I get. If I don't get something or I don't see something happening, then I stop persevering. 
And the definition of persevering is to continue in action in the face of difficulty despite little or no success. That means that you serve God and you love God despite where your spouse is, despite where your children are, despite where this ministry is at. You continue and you persevere and you move forward and you keep going and you keep going despite any form of success. Some people will only serve and act when they see success. And when they don't see success, they might feel that God's not involved. But in reality, perseverance has nothing to do with success. Perseverance has everything to do with not quitting. No matter what. No matter what, you keep going and you serve and you love God and you persevere and you continue doing the course of action that God has called you to do. I love this. If you're writing down notes, you can write this down. It says, when we persevere, we refuse to give up on God. I refuse to give up on God. I refuse to do it. And there are times that I tell people, you've given up on God, and they're like, never, pastor, I wouldn't do it. And the answer is, yes, you have, because you're no longer persevering. You've put your eyes on the things that you haven't seen. You got to keep your eyes on God. You got to persevere and you can't give up on God. Because that's why we're here on this earth to serve God, to, to be what God has called us to be, to fulfill His purpose. That's our number one goal. If it isn't with being a, spy, a husband, a servant, whatever the case is, but it's what God has called us to be. So we can't give up on God. I'm not telling you that in the last 20-something years I haven't given up on God because I know without a shadow of a doubt, if I can make a confession this morning and just be honest, there's been moments that, that I've given up too soon. I've quit when I really needed to press on and press through. And maybe I have some friends in the house who understand what I'm talking about here, where there's been times where I've grown tired of the struggle and tired of trying. And that's happened to me many times. But I've learned that that's brought me nothing good. Nothing, nothing good. I'm sure that throughout the years I've missed out on many blessings because I've thrown in the towel in the midst of the struggle. And I've just said, forget it. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now look at the work perseverance has. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete. Lack nothing, not lacking anything. You know, God has given us the ability to persevere. You have the ability to persevere. One of the greatest characteristics as we serve God is the ability to persevere in the midst of struggle. To persevere. Our commitment to Jesus through persevering, it's not short term, it's long term. To persevere. We may face struggles while serving him, but when we trust him through those struggles, we can claim victory through perseverance. Hebrews 10, 35, 36. Do not throw away your confidence. If there's one thing you can't get rid of is your confidence. Have you ever lost your confidence in anything? If you lose your confidence in anything, you think you're useless. Like you think you can't do anything. Like you feel like you're done. You, you just... You, you can't do anything. And the Bible says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So I'm not going to go into the entire story, but I want to use this story because it is a story of perseverance. And in order to serve, we must persevere. We must it's found in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, and we're not going to go through it. But in this story, it teaches us that sometimes we have to be willing to look ridiculous and be radical 
to live remarkable lives. It is the story where there is a plan for Joshua to take the promised land. This plan was as simple as it was strange. I'm going to tr- grab two verses from the 21 verses and just share a little bit about it. Just to set us up. Verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. Some translations say tightly shut because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but sometimes I feel like my promises, my, my, my reaping, my reward, and everything that God has spoken to me sometimes feels as if it was tightly shut. Like there's no way I'm going to be able to access that. Sometimes I have felt that because either it's too far away, I can't see it happening, there's so much against me, I just just can't see it. But that doesn't mean we give up. It means we continue going forward. And verse 2, which is the last verse I want to use, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho in your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. And, And the truth is, is that God gives them this word while they are outside of the promised land. So I want you to think about this. God says, I have delivered them into your hands while they were outside of Jericho. So what it's teaching us is that God knows how to speak in past tense to your present problem. It means that there are times that God may say something that your eyes don't see yet. So what do you do when what God says doesn't match up with what you see? Because we have all been there. Or maybe you are there right now. What do we do when all you see is a wall standing before your very promise? When you're doing everything God has told you to do, yet you don't see any movement. And it's interesting because when you read this story, you just, I I love trying to put myself in their shoes, trying to, because it's really difficult. But I think of this story and I think about the children of Israel walking around Jericho day one, day two, day three, and you just, you just picture yourself walking around with this real difficult way of doing things and God is this really how you're going to answer us and you're walking and walking and nothing is happening I'm talking about like on day six there's not even a crack on the wall there's not even a stone that has fallen but God says that the walls will fall and you see no progress, but God says, I want you to walk it around, I want you to walk around, I want you to do ABC, and this is what's gonna happen. And while you're doing it, nothing is happening. It doesn't even look like something is happening. As a matter of fact, it might seem as things have gotten worse and the walls have gotten larger. And you wonder to yourself, God, did you even speak to me? But God did speak. There are are times where when we see no progress, and those are the times where we have to be careful with not giving up when you don't see progress. Because there was no progress for the children of Israel. And some of us always pray, and there's nothing wrong with it. Lord, Lord, show me a sign, right? Please, God, show me something, God. God, I, I beg you, Lord God, just show me some progress, Lord God. Lord, at least a brick, let, let, like, let a brick fall down so that I know you're part of this. And just because you don't see God working doesn't mean he isn't. Can you imagine if they would have stopped on day six? And they would have looked to each other and said, this is ridiculous. I'm not feeling this. Can you imagine that? What would have happened? Imagine if they would, 
if they would have stopped with what they are seeing with their eyes and they would have based their decision on moving in agreement with God because of what they're seeing and what they're watching and they're looking and it's not adding up. Can you imagine if they would have stopped on day six? They would have missed out on the walls of Jericho falling down. But they persevered. They would have missed their blessing. I wonder how many times have we missed the blessing because we've stopped too soon or given up. Have you asked yourself, how many, how many more laps will I have, Lord, to walk around Jericho before these walls come tumbling down and I can hold my promise in my hand? How many times, Lord God, do I have to do this, Lord God? How much longer do I have to wait for my prodigal to come home? How much longer, Lord God, do I have to struggle with my unbelieving husband, Lord God? How much longer do I have to endure with this disease? How much longer, God, do I have to? Lord, how much longer, Lord? There are mothers who've been praying for their children for years, for their spouses for 20, 25 years, at least in my place, praying and praying. And I tell them all the time, tomorrow may be your lap seven. Tomorrow may be it. But if you stop today, you'll miss out on what God has promised you. So don't stop. Persevere. Do not quit. Look over to the person next to you and tell them, don't quit. I really don't have the answer to how long. For those people who don't know my personal uh, life and my, my testimony and, and the things that, that I'm dealing with in my life, um, some of you know that I have a son who's under the umbrella. Um, Side functioning autistic. And um, one service, I was minding my business. I'm, how many people know that you go to a service and you mind your business? Like you're just minding your business, sitting in your chair, right? You, you're not bothering anybody. You're just sitting there listening to the Lord, minding your own business. And one day I was minding my own business in my chair. And this guy uh, who I love dearly, and um, I've known him for years, and he's been known to bring prophetic word to people's lives and he grabs the microphone in the middle of the altar. I, I didn't ask him for this, Lord. I didn't ask for that word. I was minding my own business. And he gave me a word for Lucas. So because God spoke to me, now I have a word that I'm holding on to for Lucas's life. And just like that, you've probably received a word for your life. May it be to find that spouse. May it be for the spouse. May it be for the ministry. May it be for whatever the case may be, but God gave your word and you're holding on to that. I encourage you never to let it go despite what you see with your eyes. Because if God said it, he'll do it. Verse 10, and I end with this this morning. If the musicians can come up, that would be great. Verse 10. Therefore, this is going to be awesome, guys. Therefore. As we have opportunity. How many of you can praise the Lord for opportunity? Man, we have an opportunity, man. The time is now. We saw the video. You have all these ministries here. Like, you have an opportunity. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Now, what does good mean? It involves yielding to the Spirit. And exhibiting the fruits he produces. That's what doing good is. Let us do good to all people. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, Ephesians 5 verses 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most... Of every opportunity. So don't live life unwise. Be wise. Be a good steward. Take advantage of the opportunity you have. Your opportunity is not my opportunity. We may have something in common, but maybe the opportunity that you have to serve God, maybe the opportunity for you to do good looks completely different than it is for me. And that's okay. 
But be wise. And do not let the opportunities pass by you. Take the opportunity to do good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Understand that there is a harvest to come. That you will reap what you sow as a church. That everything you sow into the spirit will produce things of the spirit. And I want to encourage you today because sometimes the enemy wants to lie to us and we do things and we feel that what we're doing is making no difference. And that is a lie from the enemy. What you do matters. What you do is inspired. What you do is divine. Do not grow weary. Do not give up in what God has called you to do. As small as you may think it is, if God's behind it, it is divine, and that's all that matters. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning, amen. And I like the way this verse says, do good to all people. You know, that word in Greek means each and every person. That means even if they're involved in the grossest of sin. And the church may have a problem with that. It might have a problem with that. In reality, God reached us in our lowest of moments. And sometimes we forget what God has taken us out of. And we have to remember that. God has called us to be good to all people. The drug addict, the adulterer, all people. We can't feel uncomfortable around them. Can you imagine that? The church feeling uncomfortable around sin? We know sin. God freed us from sin. And he's called us to do good to all people, despite wherever they're at in their life. We have to reach out because we are the light of Christ. If it isn't us, then who else is it going to be? If it isn't us loving the lost or, or, or the so-called individual who's so lost that from the person in the street to the person at the strip club, I'm talking about every individual, reaching them where they're lost, where the sin is at. Because God, God reached us. And the word says go do good to all people. It doesn't matter their skin color. Listen. If you got an issue with dark people, you got problems, you need Jesus. Because Jesus might be dark himself. Come on now. <laughs> you don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. He do. do the research. He doesn't have blue eyes. White, peach, tan, whatever color you want to put it. You got to look at the soul of an individual. And God's called us to reach the souls of the individual. Whatever color, whatever race, wherever they are from. And lastly, it says especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Some of you might squirm a little bit here today, but how can we not love the person sitting next to us? How can the church be so cruel sometimes with each other? And sometimes it's easy to share the love of Christ with those who don't know Christ, but sometimes we become so arrogant, we lose humility, and we forget about what unites us, which is the love of Christ. And Paul is saying, do good, especially to those that are believers, because I've seen throughout the years that we can be the worst of the worst to each other. In the church, loving Christ and declaring him as Savior, yet we can't even see each other in church. I hope this morning you've been blessed by... What I've shared with you. I hope that you've understood that we have the power to act. 
We don't have the power sometimes to reap because the reaping belongs to God, but we do have the power to act. Don't get frustrated when you're acting and sowing and the reaping hasn't come yet. Be patient. The Bible says in its proper time. That means God's time. Don't ever lose heart. I hope you're blessed by this message. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to worship the Lord one more time. Amen. Before we go. Uh, before we get into worship, uh, we'll close it up after worship. Uh, but once we, we close it up, obviously I pray that you heard the word today and, and let that settle in the soil of your heart. Let it take roots. I pray that your soil is well today. Mitre would receive that that was planted, amen? Praise God. You know, we have our, our teams here, and uh, we would love for you to do something today. We have uh, a little gift to give all of you guys. For the last five weeks, and today you've heard us sharing about what this whole planting and gardening looks like in our very own lives. So in each station, you're going to be given something before you leave. So don't leave here without visiting each station. One station, they're going to give you a, a pot. The next station, they're going to give you a soil. The next station, they're going to give you seed. And the next station, they're going to water it. Take it home. And as that little plant grows, let it be a reminder of your life and what we're called for. Amen? So take that little gift. We want to send you all home with a little plant from our nest to remind you of what's being preached here, taught here, and how you need to apply it into your very own life. We have an amazing, we have an amazing word that was shared today. And um, I want to encourage all of you. I, I, don't, I don't do this. How many of you came yesterday? Like seriously, okay, thank you guys for raising your hand. Seriously though, like do not raise your hand because you're not going to offend me. Trust me. I've, I've been offended by deep. This is not going to offend me. But if you came yesterday, how many of you do not regret it? That it was just truly an amazing time. Okay, guys, look around. Almost. I think everyone that raised their hand, raised their hand again. Thank you, guys. Do you remember how we got to yesterday? I tried my best to tell you guys, you need to come. And you need to bring someone because you're not going to regret it. You're going to be blessed. You need to trust my word. I won't lie to you. I'm not, I am the kind of person that I don't want to just do things to, make, to keep us busy. I want to do things because they're meaningful. And yesterday for me was a meaningful moment. And I'm glad that many of you saw that. So what I stress here is to encourage you to be involved and do it and bring everyone with you. So I'm going to... I'm going to tell you about something else that's happening. You ready? Next Sunday, Pastor Leo's here. He could be a witness. You could come up here and share if you want about this. Next Sunday, one of the, if not the greatest man of God that I know personally is going to be with us to share the word. He's a bishop in our fellowship. His name is Pastor Tom Klasner. Amen. His wife's going to be with us. I can't, Leo, am I lying? Okay. I can't stress to you how important next Sunday is for you. And I can't stress to you how important it is for everyone that you need to bring with you. It's not because I want a full house. It's because I know that there's a blessing next Sunday. And I would hate for you guys to miss it. Or for you, like, look around. Who's not here? They need to be here next Sunday. Trust, listen, trust me, and you can tell Pastor Leo as well. Ask him, trust us when we tell you that next Sunday you're going to leave here saying, thank you. Thank you. You're going to hear from two mighty 
a man of God and a woman of God that were to the point of death. They both were on their dying bed. And how the Lord said, not yet. And they have a word of God for the church. They're going to actually spend, I want you to pray for this upcoming weekend. Sorry that I'm doing this. I felt in my heart to do this. I want you to pray for this weekend coming up. Because we, we're doing something as a church that's very challenging. We've, we've come to realize that it's become very challenging for us. And all our leaders that are in this church, I hope they see this. Because if they don't, then I, 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 I just want to go home and cry if they don't. Of how much was put into this. For, for next weekend, Pastor Tom and Julie are going to spend a whole weekend with, with the leadership of this church. And they're going to pour into them. And it's actually taken this church and Pastor Tom and Julie a lot to make that weekend happen. And then we're going to bring them here on Sunday to share to the whole church. If you could pray for our church leadership, that what we receive and what is deposited to us next weekend would change the hearts and the vision of every single leader of this church. And that it would change the projection of where this church goes. That's all, I, don't, I don't even know how I can say it without just crying. But sometimes, you know, you do it and you're like, do they really understand what we're doing next weekend? I don't want my leadership to think like, oh, we're doing this again because it's something we have to do. Guys, next weekend is so important for our leadership and for Sunday service next weekend is, I can't stress it, how important it is for this church. You need to be here next Sunday and you need to be praying for our leadership on Friday and Saturday. Can you, can you commit yourself to doing that? Maybe write it down on your phone. I'm going to pray for our church. Can we give Pastor Leo a hand? We just thank you, brother. We honor you. Make sure you leave with your plant today. Can you stand with me? Let's worship the Lord in one song. Omar's going to come up and close us up after the song. But I just wanted to leave you with that so you don't leave here freely and, and not really listen to those words. Amen. Let's go.